Chapter 8 of Commentary on Romans by Theodoret of Cyrus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For our passions can no longer get the mastery over us without our consent, now that we have received the grace of the Spirit of God. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. As he had just before called sin the law of sin, so now does he call the life-giving Spirit the law of the Spirit of life. His grace, says he, by faith in Christ, has bestowed on you a double freedom, for not only has it overthrown the power of sin, but put an end also to the tyranny of death, and he shows how he has thus overthrown it. Verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, the law then was not evil but good, though impotent, and that weakness arose from its injunctions being given to those encumbered with a mortal nature, for now by the thrice holy baptism we have received the pledge of immortality, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He says not in the likeness of flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh, for he received actually the human nature, but human sin he received not. Wherefore that which he thus assumed he calls not the likeness of flesh, but the likeness of sinful flesh, because though he had the same nature with ourselves, he yet had not the same character or disposition. He means then that the law, having been unable to bring to effect its own design by reason of the weakness of those beneath its covenant, possessing as they did a mortal nature and one obnoxious to infirmities and passions, the only begotten word of God, becoming incarnate, by that human flesh overthrew sin, in having fulfilled all righteousness and admitted no taint of sin, and by enduring the death of sinners as though himself a sinner, manifested the injustice of sin, in that it delivered up to death a body over which death had no just claim. And this then both overthrew it and put an end to death, for in thus submitting to death through the unjust sentence of sin, while not at all obnoxious to it, in that he never committed sin, did he become the price of redemption of those justly subjected unto death, as one freed among the dead? For so he also teaches in what follows. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For he has paid, says he, our debt, and fulfilled that which the law aimed at. And what then was this? To render them righteous that had received that law. If then the dispensation of Christ Jesus has brought into effect the intention of the law, the law deserves not blame but praise. And having thus touched upon the subject of righteousness, he goes on to an exhortation to it, and, having said, Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, adds, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit and in like manner in another place, Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, meaning here by the Spirit, the grace of the Spirit, and teaching that he who follows it both thinks and does the things agreeable hereto, and he that is enslaved to the flesh, that is, to the passions of the body, has deprived himself of his freedom. Verse 6. For the inclination of the flesh is death, he says, not the flesh, but the inclination of the flesh, that is, the breaking forth of the passions, for the recompense of sinners is death, but the inclination of the spirit is life and peace, for he who lives after the spirit gains peace with God. Verse 7. 
because the inclination of the flesh is enmity against god again he condemns the inclination of the flesh that is the tyranny of the passions which he declares are at variance with god for they are not subject to the law of god neither indeed can be for how is it possible that he who has admitted the tyranny of the passions should embrace the service of god while yet choosing to serve sin verse eight so then they that are in the flesh cannot please god he does not bid us go out of the body but be freed from the inclination of the flesh as is shown by what follows verse nine but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwell in you for it is evident that they who received these his instructions were not devoid of the body itself but what he means is that they were conquerors over the fleshly passions and enjoyed the grace of the thrice holy spirit resident within them and so in a similar sense does our lord say that his disciples are not of the world john fifteen nineteen not that they came from elsewhere but that they were dead to the world now if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his as had he said if so be that which implies an alternative he aptly subjoins that he who is wanting in this grace has no fellowship with christ and as this was enough to warn and alarm them that received this epistle he proceeds again to reassure them verse ten and if christ be in you the body indeed is dead with regard to sin but the spirit is life as regards righteousness he makes clear what had been ambiguous and shows that it was not the mere flesh itself that he is condemning but sin for he bids the body be dead to sin that is not to commit sin and the soul is what he here speaks of as the spirit in its having become already spiritual here he enjoins to follow after righteousness whose exceedingly desirable fruit is life verse eleven but if the spirit of him that raised up jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you he invigorates them by hope of the future and inspires them with willing readiness sufficient for present contests for ere long says he your bodies will be immortal and superior to the passions that now molest them and this will he do the same the god of all who now so liberally bestows on us the earnest of the spirit and he has given us also a pledge of this resurrection in the resurrection of christ and he teaches by all this the unity of nature in the godhead for he calls the thrice holy spirit the spirit of the father and of the son not that as the infamous heretics say he was created of the father by the son but that he is of one substance with the father and the son and proceeds from the father according to the teaching of the gospels his grace it is that is extended by christ to such as are worthy and he continues showing how we ought to triumph over the fleshly passions verse twelve therefore we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh for having received salvation of christ jesus and been made partakers of the grace of the spirit to him we owe the debt of service verse thirteen for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die after the flesh that is following the passions of the flesh the death he means is that which is eternal but if ye through the spirit do put to death the deeds of the body ye shall live this superiority has the covenant of grace over that of the law that the latter points out what is right the former has the grace of the spirit in addition as an helpmate and here indeed the holy apostle foreseeing the corruptions of marcion valentine and manes uses the greatest accuracy of expression in his instructions saying not put to death the body but the deeds of the body that is the desires of the flesh 
the burstings forth of the passions for ye have for an assistant the grace of the spirit and the fruit of victory is life verse fourteen for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god for they who live under the spirit obtain the privilege of adoption and here he strikes at the jews teaching them not to think too highly of themselves forasmuch as that they also had been called sons for they are wanting in the glory of the thrice holy spirit being aliens from grace verse fifteen for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption again he compares the covenants of grace and the law and calls the institutions of the latter bondage while at the same time showing that it was written by the grace of the spirit not therefore the thrice holy spirit itself does he call here the spirit of bondage but the imposition of the law as affected by that holy spirit for had he by the spirit of bondage meant the thrice holy spirit itself then truly must there have been another spirit of adoption but not so is it for the thrice holy spirit is one while different and varying are his gifts for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit and so on and having shown that in truth we have received the privilege of adoption he subjoins whereby we cry abba father for when we offer up to the lord the prayer of the initiated we are bidden to address him as our father and we say our father which art in heaven and he has added the word abba to point out the confidence wherewith we call upon him for so little children using the greater boldness towards their parents in that they have not as yet a clear knowledge of the difference between them and themselves the oftener and oftener we go on lisping out the same word towards them and so in like manner we by reason of his unspeakable kindness and immeasurable goodness call the maker of all our father as we are commanded while yet we are unconscious how great is the difference between him and ourselves not understanding ourselves clearly and of his nature being altogether ignorant verse sixteen for the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god by the spirit he means the holy ghost himself by our spirit the grace or spirit of adoption given to us for both are here expressed by the same common word and what he means is that we put forth this prayer thus claiming sonship therein as led by the teaching of the spirit and in so doing then we cannot be blameworthy in that we do it according to the divine law verse seventeen and if children then heirs nor was it enough that we should have been freed from bondage and enjoy the grace of liberty but moreover have we been blessed with the privilege of adoption nay and not only are we called sons but heirs also of god and joint heirs with christ for so he subjoins heirs of god and joint heirs with christ since not every son becomes the heir of his father well has the holy apostle joined the heirship with the sonship and since frequently even a servant receives some portion from his master and yet is not left an equal partner with the child itself it was necessary in order to point out the ineffable magnitude of the divine love that he should subjoin joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together for not all who have been blessed by baptism which places us in a state of salvation will enjoy these good things but they who in addition thereto have undergone their share of suffering with their saviour and this he subjoins not without a distinct object but for the support of those to whom his letters were addressed for they were subjected to the attacks of temptations of all sorts being beaten tortured and imprisoned and exposed to a thousand kinds of death wherefore he sends them comforting words supporting them by the future and exhorting them to bear the present with fortitude 
verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The crowns exceed the contests, the reward cannot be put in the same scale with the afflictions. Small is the affliction, but vast the looked-for gain. Wherefore he calls the things thus hoped for not payment, but glory. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Perceive ye not, says he, the heaven, the earth, the sea, the air, the sun, the moon, the whole visible creation, and besides these, such as are invisible, angels, archangels, powers, dominions, principalities, all these are waiting for your full perfection. Verse 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Corruption is what he here speaks of as vanity, for so he teaches presently, because that the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. And he declares that the whole visible creation has obtained a mortal nature, because the maker of all had foreseen Adam's transgression and the sentence of death which would be passed on him. For neither was it fit nor right that what was created for him should possess an incorruption, and yet himself, for whose sake all these things were made, be mortal, and as a prey to passions and sufferings, but the rather by the resurrection receiving immortality, they in like manner inherit incorruption. Wherefore he says that the visible creation waits for such a change of things, for it was made changeable not of its own accord, but in submission to the decree of the Creator, and beholding the care exhibited in our behalf, has a hope of such change, that itself also the creation shall be freed from the slavery of corruption, to which mutability of the universe the holy David also witnesses, when, mentioning the heaven and the earth, he adds, Psalm 102.26, They shall perish, but thou remain. Verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For when these latter appear, such as now they are called, and in their immortality are manifested to be the sons of God, the former also will obtain a total release from corruption. And all this he says, not meaning that the visible creation really was gifted with reason, but by a prosopopoeia, as was common with the prophets, so that one represents the pines as groaning, and another the woods as rejoicing, and the mountains leaping, and the rivers exulting. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Here he includes the invisible creation also, for the whole creation, says he. But for the clearer understanding of the passage I must bring to remembrance what the Gospels state, for there the Lord declared, Luke 15.10, that even the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth. If then they joy over penitent sinners, then must they also of a truth be cast down on beholding our transgressions. Verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. And what wonder if creation is so affected on our account, for even ourselves, who have already received many pledges of the future, and above all others the grace of the Spirit, groan in our longings after freedom, as what follows shows that he means, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. He has said, indeed, that we have received the Spirit of adoption, but without infringement thereof, he here shows us more precisely that now we have obtained the name, but then shall be made partakers of the full reality when our bodies shall have been released from corruption and have put on immortality, 
while by the word first-fruits he points out that in the future life we shall receive a far larger measure of the grace of the Spirit, since if what is now offered is called first-fruits and earnest, manifest is it that that shall far exceed it in greatness. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope, for not yet have we attained unto the resurrection, but having received the promise are comforted by our hopes. But hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, how doth he yet hope for? Verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Be not cast down, says he, while looking on present distresses, for we have brought you no false promises, in that we said you must yet a while wait, ere you should enjoy these good things. But good things thus expected are not seen with the bodily eyes, since if seen they would cease to be expected, while if expected we should be content in confidence to wait for them, and never throw away the anchor of hope. And he shows that in addition to all this there is also another source of help given. Verse 26. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We have a sufficient assistance in the grace of the Spirit. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Ask not, says he, to be delivered from affliction, for ye know not what is profitable to you, as does God your governor. Resign yourselves into his hands, who holds the helm of all things, for he, though you should ask nothing, but groan only as moved by the Spirit dwelling in you, wisely orders everything relating to you, and will grant that which shall prove to your advantage as he subjoins verse twenty seven for he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because it maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god by the spirit here he means not the holy ghost himself but the grace given to the faithful for stirred up by this we pray the more earnestly and with sighings inexpressible by words implore god our saviour and this the holy apostle writes from what himself had experienced for he himself not once only or twice but even thrice had besought release from his own trials and beseeching had failed of obtaining his prayer for he heard in reply two corinthians twelve eight and nine my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness and having learned this he welcomed what he had before sought to be delivered from and says most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called in accordance with their own disposition. They work not together with all, but with those that love him, nor simply work with them, but work with them for good. For if any ask for what would not be profitable to him, he fails of his petition, because it is to his advantage not to gain it. And with the fittest accuracy of expression does he join the disposition with the call, for the call is not irrespective, but to those who possess this disposition. Wherefore, he said to the apostle in Corinth, Acts 18, 9 and 10, Speak and hold not thy peace, for I have much people in this city, and forbade him to preach the word in Mysia chapter 16 verses 6 and 7 and as to asia at first restrained and afterwards commanded him to do it wherefore he also said to him in jerusalem chapter 22 verse 18 make haste and get thee quickly out of jerusalem for they will not receive thy testimony and wherefore he here also says to those that are called in accordance with their own disposition agreeably to what follows verse 29 for whom he had foreknown he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For he had not irrespectively predestined, but predestined in his foreknowledge of them. 
for he did not irrespectively predestine but predestined in his foreknowledge of them and speaking with the strictest accuracy of expression he says not conformed to his son but to the image of his son and this he has even more plainly put in the epistle to the philippians chapter three verse twenty where having said that our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the saviour the lord jesus christ he adds who shall change our vile body that it may be conformed to his glorious body for our body will not be made to resemble his divinity but his glorified body and so here also he calls those who now obtained the privilege of the call conformed to the image of his son that is to the body of his son for the divine nature being invisible and the body visible by the body as an image or shadow is he adored that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and this the truth of the doctrine testifies for it is as man that he is called the firstborn as god being the only begotten seeing that as god he has not brethren but as man designates as brethren them which believe of these he is the firstborn being yet no other than the only begotten but he the same both only begotten and firstborn verse thirty moreover him he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified those whose suitable disposition he had foreknown those in the beginning he predestinated and predestinating also called and calling justified by baptism and justifying glorified by designating them sons and endowing them with the grace of the holy spirit but let no one say that such foreknowledge is the cause of these things for foreknowledge made them not such as they are but god as god foresaw from of old all that would be for so neither if seeing a violent horse seizing the bit in its teeth and not heeding its rider i should predict that nearing a precipice it would fall over it and the event were to happen as i said should i have cast the horse down that precipice but merely have foretold what was itself about to take place, while using the evidence of the fierceness of the horse himself as my guide. But, and so likewise the God of all, from of old knows all things as God, not that he imposes on any one a necessity for his establishment in virtue, or on another for his performance of vice, for if he exercised force towards either, he could not with justice praise and reward the former, or adjudge punishment to the latter if then god be just as indeed he is just he exhorts indeed to what is right and denounces its opposite he approves the doers of good and avenges himself on those who from their own will embrace wickedness verse thirty one what shall we then say to these things if god be for us who can be against us having god as our ally shall we be afraid of men he comprehends all things at once under the word who whether kings or generals or people or their leaders the whole world at once and then he brings forward the crowning blessing of blessings verse thirty two he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things he has given us the greater and shall he not give also the less his own son has he bestowed and will he deprive us of what we have gained but here we must remember that the person of the son is but one for the human nature was delivered up in our behalf by the divinity for so the bread says he john six thirty one that i will give is my flesh which i will give for the life of the world and chapter ten verse eighteen i have the power to lay down my life and i have power to take it again verse thirty three who shall lay anything to the charge of god's elect it is god that justifieth verse thirty four who is he then that condemneth having said that while god helps who can injure us he adds that god having rendered us justified who can condemn 
Christ it is that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is ever at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. What more than all this seek ye? In our behalf the Lord Christ died, and having risen again sits by the Father. Not even thus has he ceased his care for us, but pointing to the first fruits which he took from us, and showing its immaculate purity to the Father, by it he asks for salvation to ourselves. And this indeed he says as regards the humanity, for as God he asks not, but himself grants. Nay, and even if the heretics should declare that so the Son does as regards his divinity, neither so could they prove his glory to be the less. For let us suppose two kings to be equal in honour, and to have the same authority, and when some deputy or general has offended against both, the one of these, having earliest received the prayer of the culprit to beg of the partner of his kingdom to admit him to reconciliation, does this at all diminish the dignity of him that makes this request? By no means. But in the present case we cannot grant even so much as this. For whatsoever seems good to the Son pleases the Father also, and the will of both is the same. The passage, therefore, is figuratively expressed by the Apostle, through his desire to set forth the greatness of Christ's zeal and watchfulness for us. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? Verse 36. As it is written, Psalm 44.22. For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. The witness adduced is exactly correspondent to the subject in hand, for it was spoken in the persons of those who had the same object, for the thrice Holy Spirit wrote this psalm by the inspired David, concerning the admirable Maccabees. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, opposing the love which God bears us to all these things, we rise superior to afflictions, for we reckon that it were most abundant for our Lord Christ to have undergone death for sinners, for we reckon that it were most absurd for our Lord Christ to have undergone death for sinners, and yet ourselves not most readily to embrace martyrdom for him. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Verse 39 nor height, nor depth, nor any other such creation, could be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Having weighed the whole creation at once against the love of God, and added to such as are visible, such as are perceptible only by the mind, angels and powers and dominions, and to the present hoped-for blessings, as well as threatened punishments also, for by depth, as I apprehend, he signifies hell, and by height, the kingdom of heaven, and moreover, everlasting life and eternal death. And seeing that even then this scale is lightest in the reckoning, he seeks for somewhat else to be cast in, and finding nothing, he frames into his account another such and as varied an universe, and neither so does he find all these together fit to be weighed against the love of God. For it behoves us, says he, not to love him on account of his promises of blessings, but to desire them on his. For so neither, if a man be sincerely well affected towards one who is rich, does he love him for the abundance of his wealth, but from his very affection towards him, loves also the possessions belonging to him, and in like manner the holy apostle declares, I would not choose to inherit the kingdom of heaven, and all visible and invisible creation, and as many such again, twice or thrice multiplied, apart from the love of God. But rather, were any one to lay before me present and future distresses, present and eternal death, and the most protracted punishment in hell, together with the love of him, 
readily and welcomely would i choose these in preference to the former splendid and glorious and unspeakable objects devoid of love to him which therefore that ourselves may also possess let us both pray and strive so that following in the footsteps of the apostles we may be made sharers thereby in the eternal habitations of the apostles through the grace and mercy of our lord jesus christ with whom to the father together with the thrice holy spirit belong glory and majesty now and ever unto endless ages amen End of chapter eight